Hello and welcome to The Fathers, episode number 15. We are two different kinds of fathers. I'm a married dad of five kids, and he's a Catholic priest. And we're friends talking about sports, beer, movies, and the everyday joys and challenges we share in common. I'm Dom Bettinelli. And I'm Father Chip Hines. So, Father Chip, uh, it's it's actually a nice cool day as we record this. Yeah, I don't uh, even need your air conditioning on. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Is, is a, it, it, last week, it was in the 90s all week, and uh, this week, uh, it's been like six, high 60s, which I like. Yeah, I do too. I don't know why people are complaining. <laughs> I like to have a, like the, the New England v- weather variety, you know, like as long as it's not like 68 and, and rainy all win- all summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. I mean, but, but the I difference, wish it wasn't raining. Yeah. You know, if it was this temperature and the sun was out, that'd be rocking. Like, like Sunday was mid to high 70s yeah, and that was, sunny. That was oh. sun- Sunday was perfect. I was out uh, gr- smoking some ribs again. Nice. It's awesome. I was going to save you one, but uh, Lucy ate the last one. I, I can't imagine food <laughs> being saved here with seven well, people. Well, th- well, the, the the trick is, is at this point, when they're teenagers, yeah, all bets are off. But at this point, they're still picky. Ah. So there are certain foods that, that, that get gobbled right up and then right. other foods that, you know, they don't last. So. I- I have a nephew who's picky about everything. It's unbelievable. So the other night I was at my folks and we were eating. My my mother decided she wanted to do cheeseburgers. I said, that's great. I love cheeseburgers. So my dad's out grilling the cheeseburgers and she's getting this pasta ready. And I said, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, um, well, I made a a pesto pasta, you know, salad with pesto. I said, oh, that's, that's good. I like that. I said, but what about this plain stuff? And she's like, oh, that's for Joe. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, you can't even eat a cheeseburger? (laughs) So we have a rule, which is um, at this, like in the past, we've had to make, you know, uh, plan ahead to make a separate meal for like Ben, who he's, some kids have very sensitive senses of smell, which also affects their taste. So he would gag at the, at everything. He's better now. uh, And he tries things, but older, but we're at the point where it's like, this is dinner. Yeah. And if you want something else, you can go make yourself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or something. There you go. Because this is like this is what's on the table. Right. I no, mean, that's I mean, there are certain kids that have allergies like Lucy, right. we have to accommodate that, but but that, when it's just preference. Right. You know, you got to try it and then if you if you don't if you don't want it, then well, you can I mean, okay, you have 5 kids. I did not I was an only child for 9 years. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you this, in my house when I was growing up, my mother put something on the table. That's what I ate. I didn't get. I didn't get choices. I never got a choice. Oh, I you know. Can, I can and tell I you watched about, my brothers, yeah. their kids, and it's like, oh, what do you, what do you think you want tonight, Joe? Or what do you think you want tonight, Vince? Or you know, and my and they're going crazy with my mother making chicken nuggets, and while she's trying to make you know some really awesome meal for the rest of us, and and I'm like, come on, guys, what's going on here? So there are certain like we we don't do the what do you want for dinner tonight we we decide what's for dinner but sometimes we 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 decide look we can have a fight over getting them to eat this meal that's to them is very strange um, or we can, so we can either make something that they that everyone will eat or most everyone will eat we have we we have things which we call fifty percent meals where half of everybody likes it and will eat it. And we have, you know, 70% meals and 100% meals. Well, what's a 100% meal? Well, like last night, Melanie made this Asian-inspired noodle soup. Mm, that sounds pork, good. Yeah, miso and all the different noodles. That's that's actually a 100% soup. Like every uh, wow. dip meal, everybody loves it. 
But there's some things that where like two of the kids won't eat it or three of the kids won't eat it. But um, but so we have to we say like how much are we going to fight about this? That sort of thing. But sometimes Millie and I just want to have something that we like that we know none of the others will like. So we twenty percent meal, right? So 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 we make that and then we make something else for them, like you know mac and cheese or right, something, right. which isn't the end of the world that they have to eat mac and cheese for a dinner. Mac and cheese is good, yeah, man, and or, it's hot right, right now. And we always serve fruit at dinner, like cut up peaches oh, or apples. That's or nice. And it's actually one of the best things we ever did because Very Italian of you because they love well they love the fruit. And we use it as an incentive to, okay, okay you can have this. a second portion if you have some fruit and, and some green beans or something like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> meals are, are, are negotiations. I watched my, uh, the other night, I watched my, my nephew Joe eat this pasta with butter on it. And I'm like, oh, are you kidding the, me? It's the plainest thing ever. It is. It's awful. <laughs> I, I looked at him and I, I, I felt like you are, you, there's something wrong with you. Like, I felt like there was something, like, <laughs> there's something wrong with this kid, you know? I mean, like. That's a very common thing. And it's, I imagine it is. And, 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 and a lot of kids, they, they just so don't like tastes. Between you and me, you know, because you have five kids. Yes. I don't have five kids. And I look at a kid like that and I'm like, really? We got, you know, cheeseburgers. We got this awesome pesto, yeah. uh, you know, salad. We got, you know, there was, uh, there was other things out there. You know, my mom's a pretty good cook. And, and, you know, my dad's pretty good on the grill. And, you know, I mean, it was just cheeseburgers, but. You know, it was good. She she mm-hmm. made bacon and she had lettuce and tomato cut and, and, and it was like, you know, it was like a, you know, it was a make your own cheeseburger kind of deal, you know, and she's got a, a sriracha ketchup. And wow. Yeah. That sounds good. It is good, man. Let me tell you. You know, oh, and she even sliced up avocado for my, uh, for my uh, sister-in-law who cool. is of Mexican descent and uh, loves avocado. She'll put in guacamole. Oh, yeah. And, you know, she, that's what she always, she cooks good Mexican, let me tell you. Yeah. She cooks good, like enchiladas, she can kick butt on. And Well, my Tex-Mex wife actually does a lot of that stuff too. Yeah. She, like, enchiladas and burritos. Like we'd have enchiladas, burritos, and tacos three nights a week if, if, if she knew, knew she could get away with it. Oh, that would be awesome. I would love that. Well. It's okay. <laughs> what? What? I mean, after a while, I'd like a little more variety. Yeah, I get you, but you know, listen, I don't get that three well, nights a week. Exactly. You exactly. Know? Yeah. So, like last night, I was out with a buddy, and uh, not a priest, just a regular lay person who you know I'm friends with, and he he and I went to the Scorpion Bar at Patriot Place in Foxborough, Massachusetts, and it was, uh, you know, I've been there once before. But they have um, one of their one of their things is is called uh, uh, cheeseburger burrito, and they call it street burrito. So I've had that. I had um, I had it the last time I was there, the first time I was there, and it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. it was and it was a phantom gourmet, you know, pick. Mm. So you know they don't usually pick bad stuff. So the um, last night I got. Uh, another burrito and it had uh, pork and it was spicy. It had, uh, you know, pepper, hot peppers in it. And it had, it was really, really. Carnitas. It was really good. It was mm. the, uh, it was the one above the rush, the break, the cheeseburger. The El Jalapeno. Yes. The barbecue. El Jalapeno. <laughs> and uh, let me tell you, it was a little spicy. Uh, I paid for it later, but uh, it was good. And uh, n- next time I go there, I think I'd get the cheeseburger one again. That one was really, really good. I might have to check this out because, uh, like I said, I have a Tex-Mex wife who loves 
Yeah, Mexican food. I, I, you know, I went there once with uh, a priest friend of mine the first time we went, and he he got tacos, and they looked really good. Um, I I, I got to tell you, you know, I mean, it, it was good. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not Mexican food that you're gonna walk out and go, oh man, that was the best Mexican food I ever had. Yeah, but it's good, decent food, and yeah. I I just enjoyed it. And they have um, you know, some Mexican beers there on tap and not on tap, and. They do a good margarita. Um, if you like margaritas, um, and this is turning into an ad for the Scorpion Bar. But well, let me let me jump onto uh, uh, my recent experience at a, a Mexican. So my my mother in law was up visiting. She's also Texan, of course. Of course. And um, usually, when 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 my in laws come up, we try to go to seafood places, right? Because you know that makes is, sense. Make, it makes sense. Um, but, but there was uh, one night while she was here and we just, was like, Oh, we don't want to cook or whatever. Um, let's go out. And so we found, so I'd been seeing, uh, I think it was on Yelp or someplace, um, ad or notices about this next new Mexican place just up the street from us. And, and Melanie's kept saying, isn't that the place we went to when we first moved here? Now, when we first moved to this, this house, we, we, the first night we went out, uh, cause everything was still in boxes. We went to uh, a Mexican place, but that was, um, oh, what's it called? Uh, Acapulco's. Acapulco's, yep. Which is a little, I think it's, it's a, a local chain. chain. yeah. Um, and we'd been to one in, in I think, Beverly, and, it, you know, which where we used to live. Right. Uh, and, and so we went to this one, and it's like, it was terrible. Yeah. Terrible. It was really bad. Yeah, I've been there. I didn't get a good meal there. Yeah. And so she she had been resistant to going because she thought it was the same place. But this was called Sombreros. And we and so we went. Um and let me tell you, so you go in and everybody who works there is Hispanic, which is, you know, not to not to be racist or anything, but that's a good sign. I think that's a good. It's like going to a Chinese food place, right? Like, and you see Chinese people. When I went to school in Ohio and went into a Chinese restaurant and there was all Caucasian people, I was like, I was weirded out. Because, yeah, I mean, what's the what's the point? Right. Well, because in the Boston area, you 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 don't go to a Chinese restaurant and see non non Asian people. No, you I'm not going to presume that everyone is is right. Chinese necessarily. But but it's like it's just that they're they're almost always run by or owned by people from Asia anyway. Yeah, um, which and, is appropriate. So this place had had and and it turns out it was really good and they were really accommodating the kids. Nice. Uh, they had a nice kids menu. I got a this uh, cocktail I've been dying to try called a michelada. Yep. Which is sort of like uh, the closest thing I describe it to you is a Bloody Mary with beer instead of. Yep. My, my, you know what's funny? You mentioned that my sister in law was drinking that on Sunday. Oh, so good. I, I was watching her and I'm like, what is that? And she goes, that's a mich- mich- michelada. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, you know, I think my friend Dom just had tried that. She's like, yeah, it's awesome. It's all I drink right now. Yeah, I mean, you have to, it's, it's, it's spicy, savory more yeah. than, it's not a sweet drink, not like a margarita or a daiquiri. No, but it looked, looked interesting. But it was, it was good. I liked it. Uh, I, I go back just for that. So what kind of beer do they mix it with? Do you know? You can have your choice of any of the Mexican beers. Like okay. you, you can get the Secchi's, you can get Cor- uh, Corona. I got a uh, Pacifico. Oh, I like Pacifico. Yeah, that was good. Still not my favorite is El Presidente. El Presidente. I just like saying that. <laughs> like, well, I'll have look- another El Presidente. <laughs> si, Señor El Presidente. Si, señor El Presidente. <laughs> so uh, the other thing is, you might notice, like, see, actually, uh, today since it's so cool outside, you're not going to notice. But if this were another hot day, you would notice that the studio we're recording in, which is my office, um, 
is cooler than it has been. Nice. Um, which is because I've been trying to rebalance the air conditioning in my house. Good for you. Man. So we have central. And so we've got these, these louvers, the way you balance it is you get the, the louvers on each of the vents. Um, and it, it turns out that the one in this room was closed, <laughs> which naturally, which would yeah, make, make it now. That's why it was probably so hot in here in the it summer. Was, I'm going to tell you the last time we recorded was a little warm. It was, yes, it was warm. And then, uh, especially like, the doors closed. Yeah. I, I was like, Oh my gosh, what are we doing? Well, and this is where I have to sit every day I to know. work I, and I have to keep the door closed. And like, oh, so you open the door and the cool breeze blows in from the rest of the house. It's like a sweat lodge. The problem is, is it's still not quite right. And in order to balance the system, you're supposed to like clo- open one and then close others. And it, it forces the cooler air into the, you know, from the rooms that are cooler into the rooms that are hotter, but all the other vents are closed. <laughs> So huh. I don't know. I don't know what what else I can do. So I think I'm gonna have to call a guy, to oh, come boy. in and uh, and help me with it because I, I always have to call a guy. It's a guy. You gotta and you gotta pay a guy. And, a, and having a I guy come guy. in is like seventy five dollars just just to come in the house. Guys cost money. Yeah, they do. Yeah, as do vets. Let me tell you. Oh, uh, I had to take I had to take my dog Euro to the vet last not yesterday but a week ago yesterday. And, uh, he was limping and I was concerned cause, but I knew, I know he has arthritis and I had known that from a previous vet visit. So, um, most of the time it didn't bother him, but for close to a week he was, it was bothering him. So I'm like, this isn't right. So I got an appointment and you know, that's the other thing, you, you know, they're, they're like the doctors. You can't just go in like that day or the next day. No. You got to set an appointment. So he had to suffer through a weekend and, uh, we got there and, you know, now the doctor's great. He's a great doctor. He, um, he, he, he's one of those people that comes in and says, look it, I could do a whole bunch of blood work and x-ray his whole body and do all this. And I, and I, and I'm just going to tell you, I know what it is. I don't have to do all that, but I could do it if you want to. <laughs> and I said, uh, those sound like costly tests, doctor. And she, oh yeah, they are. I said, well, uh, why don't you just tell me what you think it is? <laughs> you know? And uh, so he did. And um, we ended up putting him on a, uh, a a pill, which is fine. I mean, it's a chewable pill. I can put it with his food. And it's just an anti-inflammatory. And then uh, some sort of uh, liquid that I put on his food once a day that um, it's supposed to be better than like a pill for or a chewy for you know, chondroitin and all that glucosamine and all that. Glucosamine and chondroitin. Yeah, it's better. It's better. It's better than that. So anyway, so I do that now, and but I didn't walk. I couldn't walk out. I, it was under two hundred dollars, which I was pretty pleased. Yeah, it was close. It was one hundred and seventy-six. So I'm like, oh. you got to be kidding me. So now I have to submit the bill to my dog health insurance. You you have dog health insurance. I have dog health insurance. <laughs> it's like fifty dollars a month. It's not too bad. It's not too bad, but you know, I submit the bill and then they reimburse me and it's, it's, it's fine, but it's just a, it's a tough system. You know, you gotta, you gotta be really on top of it. It's not like an HMO, you know, there's something else our parents would be aghast at. I know, but you know what? It costs a lot of money to go to the vet now. This is why we don't have a dog in this house. Well, apart from the, just that the house is too small for five kids and a dog. Yeah. You (laughs) couldn't have a dog, but just even, even if we could, even if we could have a dog, and if you got a dog for this house with with the number of people in here, it would have to be a chihuahua. Right. Yep. Dog. No, no. I mean, even if we lived like on a, on a farm, I don't know that we would own a dog because farms are great for dogs. Well, it would be, but (laughs) 
I mean, unless unless we right up front, it was this is a dog, <laughs> and I am not going to spend thousands of dollars on the dog because kids are expensive. Like like I'm constantly opening up medical bills. I have health insurance, and I'm still paying crazy amounts of money. Every everybody who's listening uh, has yeah, the same every, problem. Health insurance yeah. is ridiculous. And so just like I couldn't possibly add like the equivalent of another child on well, top of that with a dog. Honestly, most of the time. When you get a dog as a puppy, you're not dealing with a lot of medical bills and a lot of medical problems. It's when they start to get older. Right. And my dog. But by then you're attached. Right. And my dog's almost 11. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I've only had him since he was nine. But, you know, when he was nine and I got him from um, the Middlesex Sheriff's uh, uh, Department because he's a retired police dog, you know, they signed him over to me. When I and uh, you know, but they signed over all the responsibility for his health mm-hmm. and uh, well-being. So, you know, he was an older dog, and I said to myself, "Well, older dogs have health problems. That's why I got the insurance. Right. I probably wouldn't have gotten insurance on a puppy." Right. There are people though who are who are paying crazy amounts of money. Oh, like they, I know. we have a mutual friend. Who okay, I won't out him for it, but they had this dog, and the dog was got to, had to be fourteen or fifteen years old. I mean, the dog was was very old. Right, and it was. At a point where like they needed like five thousand dollars surgery, they oh, didn't that's have insane. They didn't have health insurance for the dog, and and he's trying to figure out how to pay for it. I'm like, dude, you can't. It's time. It's time to say goodbye to the dog. Yeah. Like, but the kids, like he's got kids, and they're but they're older. Like they're you know they were late teens. They'll get through it. They'll they'll yeah. It's this is an important life lesson. They'll I process. I it. went with my mom when I was preteen to take our beloved cat to the to the vet for the last ride, and my mom and I cried all the way home. Oh yeah. Um, but it was a life lesson. You know, I mean, it's not that not that I think it's a, that you should seek out that sort of thing, but you know, it's part of life. It and, is part of life. And, and I mean, I we've I've had to put down a dog on my own. Um, my my dog Buddy, who I had for. Uh, a little over six years, he he mm-hmm. got he had cancer, and and the doctor said there's nothing I can do for him, and I, so we we put him down, and it was sad. I hated to do it, yep. And I cried all the way home, like you say. And then back in 2010, we had to put the family dog down, another black lab, and you know, my father, my brother, and myself, three grown men, standing in the parking lot weeping, openly weeping at the loss of our beloved dog, right. who had been with us. 13 years. We get very attached to our pets. We, we do. do. And that's and not a bad thing. It's not. No, it's not. I mean, I, I think, you it's, know. It's when it gets out of proportion. Right. I agree. I mean, I will not spend that kind of, I would never spend five grand. Right. I would never. I mean, I love my dogs, but I can't, I can't justify that. Here's my, here's my pet peeve. Okay. And this, Ooh, I know. Pet peeve. Yes. This is my, my, my mini pet peeve. A pet, a, a pet peeve about pets. You're, you're, uh, not, I'm going to say you're, but I don't mean you. I mean, okay. in general. All right. Your dog is not a child. Like people who treat their pets like children they, or call them my ki- my child. I'm my dog's mommy. Right. Drives me up the wall. Yeah. I never do that. <laughs> Unless you push that pup out through your loins. Yeah. That is not your child. My mom would do that about her dog. Well, and, and I'm like, that dog children. is not my brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, but it's, but I'm I drive my, I drive my parents crazy with that. I said, well, he's your grand dog. <laughs> <laughs> but like there are now like doggy strollers. Oh, it's insane! It's like uh, people are crazy. Yeah, people are. They take things to the nth degree. Yes, I mean he's and in the end, 
he's a dog. Yeah. You know, and I'm I'm like, as much as I love you and as much as we have great companionship, I'm not look at if the if the doctor had said I can fix this dog for ten grand, I would have been like, Yeah, keep it. Exactly. You know? I'm not spending oh, ten grand. Thanks, on, buddy. It's been, it's been, yeah. thanks, buddy. It's been hey, great buddy. two years. It's been awesome. <laughs> but you know, ten grand yeah. I don't have. Exactly. I mean, I would go into debt. I would I would for sell everything I own for what yeah. for ten to pay for my kids. Yes. They're human but, beings. Right. And that's this is a, a thing that I think we've lost in general as, as a society. Oh, agreed. A, a purport, sense of proportion. Agreed. hundred percent agreed. Um so hey, did you did we talk about this the last time? I don't know if I asked you this question. Did you see Wonder Woman? I have not seen Wonder Woman yet. Oh man, you gotta see that. Uh I I I gotta tell I've been actually speak so you know, I've been watching the catching up on the Fast and the Furious movies. I'd only ever seen the, the first two. Uh-huh. And so I've been watching them, you know, the Netflix DVDs and Gal Gadot shows up and I'm in in like think number three or four or something like that. And so and she's like, she's cool. She's pretty awesome. She's a good actress. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I saw something recently, though, um, at Comic-Con, uh, this video that someone took of, of a little girl dressed up as Wonder Woman. Yes, I saw that? that. That was so cute. That like, was cute. So this little girl, she had to be eight or nine, um, overwhelmed with emotion and probably from standing in line <laughs> two, hours, two hours, right? hungry and tired, uh, but overwhelmed with emotion, started crying. And so she kind of stopped and she, you know, kind of consoled her and her to smile and i mean this girl is meeting her hero right it's really kind of cool it was that was a pretty cool video uh i i, I did watch that because i was I, I saw it somewhere on on uh facebook i think and i said oh let, let's watch this and and it was cool because all the other actors got in on it too yeah they kind of stopped um, to they pay attention stopped to pay attention yeah. uh one of the actors said something to her and uh ben affleck was there uh he was he was even like saying, "Hey, what's going on?" You know, he's like yeah, trying to be like, cool. What with a her cute and, little girl! Yeah, and so it was. Uh, it was interesting to see, and you know, I, it is on my bucket list, but I don't know if I'll ever get there to go to San Diego Comic Con. I'd love to see that freak show. On the one hand, I'd like to see it. On the other hand, I've heard crazy things <laughs> about it. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure, uh, but I do want to see it. I just, I just, I don't know. There's something about it. I just I'm drawn to it for some reason because I think I've never just because I've never been to it. Yeah, everybody talks about it. They talk about it on the Big Bang Theory. They talk about. I mean, yeah. everybody talks about but it. it. But it, it it's you get up. I think especially at my age because I'm. It's, I I know how these sorts of show these conferences go. Right. I would need to have a very constrained uh, understanding of like. Of what I'm actually going to be able to accomplish. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I, you're never yeah. going to get into any of the big panels because they they start lighting up at like three o'clock in the morning. Do they really? Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. Well, this sounds insane. It is insane. And like, and, and, and so, and, but you know, there's all the, the, but all the big actors go to it. Right. Well, and then you get to see like all the merchandise, which I love yeah. all that stuff. And then the people in the costumes. Right. And then it's all the, and then all the the studios and all these companies pull out all the stops with these displays and fun things to do. And four minute trailers that they, right. they preview well, there. Watch the four minute trailers from home, but yeah, but you can, but you can't watch them until they show them there. Right. Well, they, they show them there first. Yes, but they're they're usually available pretty quickly after. Although the saying, Avengers man. Infinity War one uh, is not been put online no yet. it hasn't uh, i heard someone, that today someone yeah. bootlegged it and then it got pulled down quickly yeah uh, no. Dis- disney's lawyers are i bet they're ravenous. pretty good yeah <laughs> i bet they're pretty pretty good but um oh, what was i was gonna say oh but the, it was so for me it's either comic-con 
or the uh, the the annual Star Star Wars. Um, what do they call it? Not the annual Star Wars convention. There's, oh. there's a word for it. Now my my brain is is, is losing it. Okay. Um, that they I don't have know that one. So they have one. It's every spring, and it's usually it's it, it kind Where of is it. Well, it kind of moves. So uh, oh. it, not kind of it does. So, so every other year, like I think it's been in Anaheim, Orlando, and London. Wow. It was recently in London. Uh, so they're they, they it moves around, and I think maybe it rotates between those three. Um, you know, because you get Disney in Disneyland, Disney World, and then London where they make the movies. Um, hmm. so but it, it, it I would love to. So they they showed that was where they had the first teaser trailer for Last Jedi and all oh, that other okay. stuff. So right. I mean, it's like Comic Con except just, just Star, Star Wars. Wars. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'd, yeah, I'd love to do that. When I was a kid, I I I I had gone to several uh, conv- Star Trek conventions. Oh, I did too. And, uh, you know, I went with my aunt Paula, she was a big Trekkie and, uh, she would say, Hey, I'm going to this convention. You want to go? And I'm like, okay. So, um, I've been to those never dressing up, of course, but right. you know, we're just walking around. I met, um, I've met several of the, of See the, ca- of the actors, yeah. uh, some of them now deceased, uh, Jimmy Dewan. I met Jimmy Dewan. We were probably at the same one. Probably. I met Jimmy, <laughs> I met Jimmy Dewan like twice. Oh, wow. Yeah. Once he was, was awesome. Once was at a convention and once was at this this is going back a few years, probably. I don't, I actually don't remember when it was. It was, I might've been a priest at this point. He, he was, there was a big exhibition of Star Trek stuff at the museum of science. Oh, Do you I think remember I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. 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 I went to opening night with my aunt because she's still into all that stuff. And she had, she had, um, for some reason she got special tickets to go to this opening night at, the Museum of Science. So we went and Jimmy Doohan was there and he was, he was old and, you know, really not feeble great at that shape. point. Yeah. yeah. But I got to meet him again, got to shake cool. his hand again. Yeah. It was, it was pretty cool. He's, he, I met him. I met DeForest Kelly. I met, uh, Nichelle Nichols. I met Nichelle um, Nichols. I met, um, uh, before he became a crazy internet s- sensation. Um, what's his name? Uh, Mr. Sulu, uh, George, uh, George, George Takei. Yeah. And, uh, Let's see. I met Marina Sirtis. I haven't met her. Back, you know, back in the day. I haven't met any of the original of the original uh, next generation actors. Oh, I haven't yeah. met them. Uh, but uh, Marina Sirtis was I was 18, 19. She was you know, older but young younger. and beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Um and I was tongue-tied. I bet. <laughs> yeah, she was sort of like a a, a crush. Yeah. A sort of a, a crush that a lot of guys had back when that first came out. Well, I had a Spuds McKenzie t-shirt on then. Uh, at the and she, oh, so you were really cool. I was really cool, and uh, and yeah, if you're too that, young to know what Spuds McKenzie is, look it up. And, I bet that went over well with her. Well, it did because she said she was telling me that um, Tasha Yar, uh, oh, uh, uh, Crosby, Crosby. Denise Crosby, had the same dog, and it was very cute. And then I'm like, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh, uh-huh. <laughs> you're pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Can I look at you some more? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You could. Just keep talking to me. I'll just stand here and stare. <laughs> it's, it's not awkward at all. No, not at all. She's talking to me. She's talking to me. <laughs> That's pretty much how it went. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but uh, I can see inside Dom's head. She's talking to me, and I don't know what to say. Say something. Say, say something. something. It was like it was like an episode of Big Bang Theory, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, Friends. Or yeah. Friends. When Chandler meets us, um, Jill Goodacre in the uh, ATM vestibule, <laughs> they get locked in because it's a power outage. Right, oh right, my gosh. Right. It was so funny. Or uh, when Ross meets Isabella Rossellini. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she was on his list. She's on the list. That's right. <laughs> the laminated list. The li- yes. <laughs> That's right. 
Oh boy, that was good. All right, we're way off. We're, 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 we're making we're, obscure we're, references. And we're, we're off the rails. We have been off the rails. <laughs> okay, let's get back on the rails. Right. Uh, let's talk about uh, important stuff. All right. Lord loves the drinking man. He sent honky-tonk angels to the promised land. I hear that he can turn the water to wine. Any man that can do that, oh, he's a good friend of mine. That's right. It's time to talk about what we're drinking. So, Father Chip, I love that bumper. <laughs> I have to make some more bumpers. I gotta. I get, if you, anybody's got any ideas for uh, what's happening, bumpers or sports, we need a bumper for the pick of the uh, pick, pick of the, the week. I pick of the week. We I, I'm just trying to think that. of what that is. Is uh, that's what I more say. than just you know saying pick of the week. Right, right, right. Um, so I have to think of something. So, but Father Chip, what are you drinking? So I've got a. Oma, Oma, is it Oma Gang? Oma Gang? Oma Gang. Oma Gang. Uh, Oma Gang uh, Brewing, uh, and it's called a Hennepin Saison Ale. And as you uh, would imagine, it's that Saison-style uh, beer. Um, you know, we, I, we, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know that I've had a few of these over the uh, number of 15 shows. And um, I like this style beer because of the, uh, you know, it's that refreshing it doesn't have an overbearing taste, you know. It's not, uh, you know. I like an IPA from time to time, not all the time, you know. And I found, oh, by the way, I was at the Red Sox. Um, was it when was it? Uh, it was a Sunday night game against the Yankees, and they won. It was that ESPN game of the week. So my brother went with me, and he came down to the seats. Um, you know, we came in separately. So in his hands were two cans of Harpoon IPA. And I said, well, I guess I'm having an IPA tonight. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so I, but I found that that Harpoon IPA is probably the most drinkable IPA I have had. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. It's not overbearing, you know, with the IPA taste. And, uh, but this, this Saison ale here is pretty good. It, it's not, like I said, it doesn't have that overbearing taste. It reminds me of those farmhouse ales that we had a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's refreshing. It tastes, it tastes good. It has, uh, you know, it's good on the nose. You don't get a funny, you know, smell like some beers do. And, um, you know, it's not, there's nothing in the flavor of it that you would say, oh, that tastes like this or, oh, that tastes orange or whatever. It's, it, it's just a beer. And it has a good taste to it. I like good. it. So I've been experimenting over the summer with all different kinds of summertime beers, a lot of Rattlers and fruit beers. and, and Shandies and whatnot. Shandies. Um, uh, some better than others. I mean, one was like a, supposed to be a lemonade shandy, and I didn't taste any lemonade uh, in it at all. <laughs> you know, but, but whatever. But this one is different. This is, uh, but this is, I'd say it's a, it's a well, it's, it's, it is a summer ale. It's a Flying Dog Brewery, Dead Rise. Old Bay Summer Ale. And when they say Old Bay, they, I mean, literally, it, it, Old Bay seasoning in it. Now, if you've, if you've ever been to um, Maryland or the Baltimore area and had crabs from, you know, the, the, the Chesapeake. Crab or? Um, or just the, the regular, like, they, they sell, like, the, the big crab and they yeah, crack it open yeah, and yeah. meat. 
but they they'll cook it with Old Bay seasoning. That's uh, that's a uh, it's very common I've that never area. Never had Old Bay seasoning. Oh, I use it in different things. Um, I, I've used it in uh, like uh, shrimp boils and that sort of stuff. Um, it's good. It's it's a spice. It's a it's a it's a it's a it's a. And um, they used it in the beer. And it's used in the beer. In fact, I mean, it's it's label says uh, let's see. Our Dead Rise, a summer ale with Old Bay, was bro- brewed to support True Blue, a groundbreaking initiative to support the Maryland blue crab industry. Which ah, is cool. Oh, interesting. Okay, so, so it's but so it's got. Is it, it brewed in Maryland? So it's from the uh, yes, it's the uh, the Flying Dog Brewery in Baltimore. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, so it's so I mean I I I love spicy foods. I like the I like Old Bay. I thought I'd try it out. It's not as good as I'd hoped. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it tastes sort of that's a bummer. Grapefruity, which is not a for me not a positive association. I mean, I actually had to check the label to make sure there wasn't any grapefruit in it because I take a medication where I'm not supposed to drink uh, grapefruit juice or eat grapefruit. Um, which is a shame because grapefruit's actually not a bad. I, it's not a big. It actually, it's not a big loss for me because I really don't like grapefruit. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I don't, it's too bitter for me. But so. I mean, if you like grapefruit, this might not be a bad thing, but it's got a very um, strong grapefruit flavor. It, the head is amazing on this. I mean, yeah, it's, it hasn't died. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a really good head. A nice clear, very ale. clear, um, clearer than mine. Yeah, mine is not that clear. You yeah, put we, them together. We're, we're holding them up. We're holding up. We, I know this is great radio. Yeah, great. Radio. Um, <laughs> if you were here, you could see. Here, you could see. Mine's <laughs> mine's cloudy. His is not. Um, yeah. yeah, it's good. I had Dosecchi's last night at the Mexican restaurant, so this for me is a, is a drastic change. <laughs> that, is, that is a nice, refreshing uh, change. I mean, Dosecchi's is good, but uh, yeah, I like Dosecchi's actually, and uh, I do like Mexican beer. Uh, I think they make a couple of good ones down there. Um, you know, uh, the uh, what is it, Modelo uh, Negro? I like. Oh yeah, M- uh, Melanie had a uh, had one of those the other night. Yeah, that was good. That's a good. That's a good Mexican beer. It's not bad at all. Um, so anyway, I, uh, but that Harpoon IPA, uh, it's their kind of flagship IPA is a really decent drinking IPA that you can have. And, and it's, it doesn't, it's not going to overwhelm you if you're interested to try an, an IPA. That's good. All that's right. It's good to know. I, I might try it. I, I mean, I keep trying IPAs and keep getting disappointed. I do too. <laughs> but, but this is, we, I don't want to be the anti-IPA show, although I know, that's probably what we are. That's already, kind but. of what we've become, but <laughs> that's why I was trying to be positive. Yeah. But so maybe, maybe they're learning. Maybe they've decided to, some people have decided to pull back on the hops a little bit and, and yeah, get the. It's not their hoppiest one. Yeah. Um, you know, the other night I was out with the, my, the deacon at my parish and we ended up with a, uh, a Hoponius Union, which is from oh, yeah. uh, Jack's Abbey. Yeah. And it's a an I, IPL, hmm. not an IPA. It's an a IPL. lager instead it's of a ale. lager instead of ale. Interesting. I don't know that I'd want to drink six of them, you know, but <laughs> I might drink one and then move on. It wasn't bad. So I was, I'm, I used to know, and I'm, I've forgotten because I'm getting old and my brain is, is, is falling apart. Are but you getting old? What is the difference? The difference between a, a lager and an ale. Um, ales tend to be fruity, while lagers are clean tasting and frequently described as crisp. Right. Uh, this is according to popular science. I would say that's um, true. They use a different type of yeast during fermentation. I think it's, I think actually it's top yeast versus bottom yeast. I think okay. is, is there top fermenting versus bottom fermenting. I think is the technical difference. Beer science. Beer science. Look at that. They got a monkey holding the beer. <laughs> that's, that's one smart pretty, monkey. That's a smart monkey, man. Yep. So, oh, okay. 
So an uh, a, an ale is yes, it's top yeast, uh, fermented warm. Okay. Whereas lagers are bottom yeast, fermented, fermented cool. Okay. Now we know. Well, that's kind of neat, actually. I've got to, there you go. Glad I looked that up. Yeah, we got a little popular science in there today, folks. Hey, you learned something today. Yeah, learning. It's good for you. <laughs> it's good for you. So, uh, what else is going on? So, I, I yeah, have, main topic of the day. So, uh, we have two because two. I had an idea, something, and Father Chip thinks that uh, that we'll get through it really quick. So then we we'll might, we might not. Okay. And if we do, if we don't, well, we, can sa- we can save the other one for another time. Yeah, I got nowhere to go, and the people listening to this got nowhere to go because they're going to listen to every single thing we say. I hope so. You're not going to fast forward. Or hit 30 seconds skip. Oh boy, don't do that. <laughs> you, you don't want to miss any no, of this. Don't want to miss This any. is radio gold. <laughs> or podcast gold. Podcast gold. Yes, you're, you're old school there. I know. Yes. I am an old school dude. So uh, this was something, a friend of mine actually yes. uh, had this happen. And <laughs> okay. it, it kind of struck home. And then it, um, it got uh, written up on uh, Alatea, which is a Catholic website. Yep. And it was, she was talking about how um, her daughter has had her first communion in May. And for the fourth Sunday in a row, she was denied communion. And in fact, since her first communion has only been offered the Eucharistic Sunday Mass twice. And now her daughter is very upset and doesn't want to go to Mass anymore. And it caused a bit of controversy because the people are like, well, why is she not getting, like, what's going on that you're not, you so just tell them to, to give her communion. Right. And, and, and I'm uh, so every every family's different, and, True. And, and knowing my friend, she's got a bunch of small kids, and they're sometimes hard to wrangle. And every parish is different, and the way the the, the communion line works is different. Mm-hmm. And so it's easy in some in some circumstances for the kid to get separated from the parent and the kid to be up, yeah, you know, in line see, further ahead. Every, I see that every week. So, yeah. So I don't you know this. I would never blame the mom because no. it's, it's just the circumstances. But one of the things that I like. I had to do when Sophie was for received her first communion. She was tiny. I mean, she was smaller than all the other kids. And so for at least the first six months, um, Melanie or I would always go up to communion behind, the, behind her. And the, and we always go to the priest. It's just a thing with me is I always, right. I always want to go to the priest. That's just, and you're uh, one of those people. I'm one of those. Um, <laughs> you, well, usually cause I've got a, I've got a, a kid in one hand. Right. And, I want to receive on the tongue, and I trust the priest to do it better than the most Eucharistic ministers. I'm sorry. I understood. I just, I, the, the priests have more experience on it. We do. Um, so I would walk up behind her, and I would, usually the priest would, it, it, for the for the first few months, not the pastor. Try he, to give him we a wrong. blessing? Well, he would look at me first. She, oh, okay. she would, I taught her, put your hands up high. She right. receives on her hand. Put your hands up high. He would look at me, I would nod, and then she would receive. And then we'd go to the cup. Right. And even now, sometimes, the the, uh, the Eucharistic ministers of the cup, they're like, kids wants to have wine. Is that okay? Yeah. It's not wine. Yeah. They, they, there needs to be some more training done. Um, yeah. So, I, I again, I have to give the nod. Yes. The it's nod. okay. Yeah. And then she goes to sit down. But um, And she's not overly short. Not now. Not then now. She was smaller. Yeah. I mean, it was, there, was, there was a line, I guess, that, you know, that could be. Someone could be uh, curious or wonder if she was the right age. Yeah. Uh, you know, my take on this is pretty simple. I, I, If a kid comes up and puts their hands up like they know what they're doing, I typically will give it to them. Yeah. Um, if they come up and they're kind of wishy-washy about it or, you know, they're not they're, or there's there. They seem unsure. I'll look to the parent if the parent's there and say, 
you know, give them right. the, you know, the face, like, is this okay? And they're like, oh yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay. So then I give them the body of Christ. And then, then there's the, uh, the other one where the kid comes up and there's no parent in sight. You don't know what the kid wants. He's not, he or she's not putting her hands up. They're, they're not, they're not, they're not giving you any indication that they know what they're doing. And then you have to, and what I do is I bend over and I say, have you received your first communion? Just a simple question. Yeah. And you, they'll either say yay or nay, and you go from there. If they say yay, okay, we'll put your hands out and receive the Eucharist. And they do. If they say nay, I give them a blessing and tell them, okay, go back to your pew. And I think that's do you make sure they priests. consume it. When the kid takes it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can I'm, see. I'm going to say to every Eucharistic minister out there, I think most priests know, but even some priests need, need to hear, make sure they put it in their mouth. Yeah, no, I've, I watch. I've seen kids yeah. walk away. Like in my parish, I saw a kid w- w- walking down the aisle. Like holding it, staring at it? Yeah. I've seen that with other people. I've never seen it with me. Like if I see somebody do something that looks funky, Yeah, I start to like, I'll hold the line and I'll say, excuse me for one second and I'll follow them down and I'll tap them on the shoulder. Right. They'll then, then they'll, oh, oh yeah, okay. And then they consume it and you're yeah. like, well, what was the weight? What was the, right. you know, then I have to go back up to the line. I, and, and honestly, this doesn't happen at Sunday mass all that often, but it does happen at funerals all the time. Oh, funerals. Yeah. Funerals and weddings. Funerals. I mean, I know I've given someone their first communion at a funeral. I know it. You know, and and not by my purpose, but, you know, it's just the way it seemed, the way the line, you know, I've had to chase more people down. So years ago, I was at a wedding, a friend's wedding in, uh, at Stonehill College here in Easton, Mass. Um, and I was one of the, uh, one of the ushers, one of the best, the, you know, the groomsmen and, um, the best man, I think it was the best man. I saw him go up. And to in line, and I knew he wasn't Catholic, and receive, and I'm like, oh, that's not good, but okay, just you know, let him take the grace, whatever God is willing to give. So after mass, we're standing outside, and we're getting ready to go to the reception, and 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 we're all talking about you know the direction and stuff, and he pulls out his keys, and there amongst all the detritus and oh, keys is the most holy object in all the universe. Oh, you got to be kidding me! And I'm like, I'm I'm aghast, I'm horrified. I'm like, dude, you have to give that to me. It's like, what? Like you can't. It's like I'm not giving it as a, as a souvenir. No, no, you can't. Like I, I, I'm trying to a explain. Souvenir. I'm trying to explain to him that isn't just. <laughs> that's not just a piece of. What's cracker. he gonna do with it? Frame it? Put it on a his, his dresser? I don't know. Like I don't think he even knew what he was gonna do with it. That's insane. I finally. He thought it was crazy, but he finally gave it to me, and like I, now I didn't know what to do with it. You eat I it. probably should have eaten it. But I went to find the the priest to celebrate. The, he, this was a religious order priest associated with the college. Uh, Holy Cross Father, then. Yeah, yeah. that was a mistake. What did I, he do? Well, I went up to him, he was like, oh, whatever. And he just took it out of my hand and consumed it and walked away. Like, like it just didn't, it was not a big deal to him. He thought, I think I was the bad guy in the situation. Ugh. I mean, this is the same priest who at the reception, um, you know how they, 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 a custom had started for a while back in the late 80s and 90s, where in order to get the couple to kiss, instead of clinking your glass, you sing a song that had love in it. Oh, really? And he sang um, Guns N' Roses, I Used to Love Her, But Then I Had to Kill Her. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, he sounds like a crazy person. Yes, he's a, such a hip, cool college priest. Yeah, yeah, he's hip. But this, but that, so that was my experience, at the, like communion at, at a right. wedding. I mean, listen, I... I understand. I read the article. I understand the the problem that this uh, fine you know woman has ha- has had. I think she can she can certainly control the situation by being 
with the child if she right. if she if she finds it to be that big of a deal and it seems to be because of it's happened that many times right she needs to take the child in hand and go up to communion with the child well she needs to talk to her pastor if and it's a that problem too. i mean you know or well, I mean, go after mass or yeah. like, or, but yes, it, it, don't just let this continue the way it is. Right. Talk to, like, if you talk to your pastor, I mean, I know where she goes, I like, she goes to mass at a sort of semi-famous place. I don't okay. want to out her on it. Um, but you know, I know that the priests at this place w- are more likely to be okay with her talking to them. Yeah. Uh, just, just go up and talk to them. Right. I, so uh, I think, I think that's what she en- ends up doing, but Good. uh but she's also she's a convert, so it's very strange and new to her, and she's I very see. unsure about things. And I think that was part of it. Okay. So that was that. Yeah, that was enough. my topic. Uh, but you had a, a topic, Father. Well, this topic is 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 an interesting one in that um, I just got to call up here on my old iPad. There was an article in uh, National Review and also in the Washington Post. But apparently you have to pay to get that one, and I didn't realize I was paying for the Washington Post, but apparently I am. Or you get to see so many yeah, articles before they it. cut you off. Yeah, maybe that's it. I don't know. But I get an I get a email from the Washington Post every week about, it's called Acts of Faith, and I can open up and see that story oh, when cool. I hit the email. Anyway, so um, it was in that as well, but... It's called Today's Spiritual Disorientation is Causing Young People to Turn to Novels for Meaning. And in this case, Harry Potter, which is considered now, there's a podcast called Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. And there are people that gather together to read in like Alexio Divino style. Uh, Don't bury the lead. Who's, Harry Potter. Who, who, who is the host's? Of this podcast, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, um, two Harvard Divinity School <laughs> graduates. graduates. Yes, good going, Harvard Divinity. Yes, Harvard Divinity is really, really pumping out so, quality. So to be clear, what they're saying is, is that the J.K. Rowling's books are they're treating them as a sacred text. Yes, that's so what they're doing. They're doing Bible studies. Yeah, ex- Harry Potter uh, studies. Yeah, yeah. Harry Potter studies. They're having Lectio Divina. S- services that are yep. sort of like church like services. I think like a Protestant church service, not like liturgical. Oh, but yeah, like a like a the songs and, and readings yeah. sort of service using Harry Potter. And it's and you know, part of it is is that it's millennials. Well that's who right. are, listen to this. This is from the article in National Review. Unsurprisingly, given that millennials are less religious than older generations, the podcast and reading groups have primarily attracted younger Americans. Um, it's, that's, that is interesting to me. I, I mean, I think it's so because these kids grew up with these books, right? Right. The millennials grew up with the Harry Potter books. Harry Potter is celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. And so you're talking about a generation of kids that read all, all the books Mm -hmm. and know the stories. Now, I don't have a problem with a university or even a high school having a class where they go through the the themes of Harry Potter. Oh, sure. I think that's a legit thing to do because there are themes in there that are good. They t- like I started to go back and listen to the podcast because I wanted to see what they were talking about. And you know, and they talk about things like commitment and, you know, being a good person and, you know, they they are taking a deeper look at this right. stuff, which in and of itself isn't bad, but call, don't call it a sacred text. It's not a sacred text. It's not well, divinely inspired. Well, the, what happens is, and well, t- first, our our mutual friend, Father Roderick von Hogan, had a podcast that he did called "The Secrets of Harry Potter," 
where he looked for the Christian themes and messages that you could find in in Harry Potter. And frankly, and they're there in almost any work of Western literature, because right. it all you know all of Western culture, culture and civilization comes from a Christian background. Yeah, you know, Judeo Christian. Judeo Christian. So so you you find those messages. That's that's fine. That's that's there's nothing wrong with that. But what they're doing is is they're treating they're treating a novel as if it's a, it's holy scripture. Well, because that's what they're doing. Well, what's, and the, the real problem is, is the root of the problem is, is when we, is that the Bible has been, has been demoted from work of, of God's inspired word to just another book written right. by people about God. Right. That sort of say, give messages about God. That's, that's the thing is, is. For, for so many people, and, and I know this view is rampant at Harvard Divinity School, yes. that the Bible is just a book that it's, it's not, it's inspired, quote unquote, uh, but not divinely written right. in the way we, that we've traditionally understood inspiration, which is um, a work co-written in a sense right. by God and man. Right. Uh, it, it's, so, you know, if, if the Bible is just a, a bunch of books written by people who want to have have a message about god why can't any book be that way well i guess that's what they're saying right and right. and that's the that's the tough um that's the tough call on it because i think and and unfortunately it it attracts people because it's entertainment and they can do whatever they want right so they could their their quote unquote service could be anything it could be a, a viewing of the movie it could be you know i mean well, i mean it's entertainment it's not it's not church. Well, partly yes. Well, partly the part of the problem is is that because liturgy. we've turned as, as Christians have many Christians have turned church into entertainment. Right. Because you know, starting in around the 1950s, what what do we do? We sit in front of a box and and we're entertained. We're we're a passive audience for entertainment, and now we judge everything by how much it entertains us. Right. And so, if we're going to spend an hour in church, we want to be entertained. Whereas I try to explain to people what I encounter, I'm like we go, we don't go to church because we're, we're there to get something out of it. Getting something out of it is incidental. Right. We go to church because God, you owe God worship by right. the very fact of your being. You owe God worship. Right. He keeps you in existence, and that's that's due. That he is due worship as the creator of the universe, who Agreed. holds all things in being. I'm, I'm, yep. Uh, getting something out. So so, but too many Christians have turned church into entertainment in right. order to keep people in the pews right what do i get out of this right so now we have a show we have you know a band and we yeah. have lights and uh you know I, I don't i haven't seen many catholic churches that do this so much but uh, but a lot of the these um seeker churches they call them or there's some other names right, for them right. that that do this and so they're 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 really about entertainment and uh, and so you know why bother with that when I can do it with a book I really enjoy, or a movie, or a right. TV series. And the thing, the thing with this this Harry Potter is they've got a lot of material. Oh, in sure. Those books, right? There's seven books, so you're gonna have you get seven books worth of stuff to talk about, and you know that's my fear is that this is gonna be really super popular, and it's not gonna bring people closer to God. Well, no, it's designed not to. Right. It's designed it's to be really close to Harry Potter. Yeah, it's very secular. Well, the other thing in that, its presentation. I think the other thing that makes it very popular is that the, Harry Potter makes no moral demands on you. I mean, th there is the don't be uh, a Death Eater, don't be um, um, 
Don't be a bad person. Don't, don't be Voldemort. Yeah. Um, but, but, but it doesn't have moral demands on you beyond that. I mean, it's, and what does it mean to be a bad person? I mean, heck, in Harry Potter, being a Slytherin is a perfectly valid uh, option for life, which right. is Slytherin are, are, they, I mean, they're on the, in any other moral situation, situation is one of my problems with, with Harry Potter, is any other moral community, Slytherin would be the bad guys. And they kind of are. Well, they are bad guys. They right? do bad things. Yeah, they're not. They're like the bad. They're like the bullies of the school. They're they're you know. It's like why like why, why is would that you tolerated? have them? Yeah, I don't understand that either. And 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 the and then it, to make it for to take it further, if you think about, and we're really overthinking Harry Potter, but that's fine. <laughs> this is what we do. Right. Um. I think if you take it a little further, you can say that Dumbledore is actually a a weak leader who um who doesn't um do the right thing. Right. He doesn't do he is not someone to be looked up to in my opinion because he what he does and we're going to get oh I know we're going to get angry emails about this and, that, <laughs> and spoilers. Yeah. But he but he lets Voldemort live. Yes. You know I mean he doesn't take care of the problem when he could have. Right. And that's my issue with this whole thing is well, it's set in motion by, you know, Dumbledore being blinded by seeing the good in everybody and allowing this well, house to live. Well, well so <laughs> from, from a Christian perspective, we're supposed to find the good in everybody, but but not to be Pollyanna ish. about well, That's the problem. Yeah. That's what I'm pointing out. He, yeah. he does. This there, this there are there are ways he could have dealt with it that are moral. Yes. That that wouldn't be. The ends justifying the means, That's certainly. True. But the but what he did in the books made things worse. But the other thing that gets me is that Harry and Hermione and Ron they they're consistently they break the rules on a consistent basis oh, all the time and get away with it yeah. because because it is an ends justifying the means sort of yep. uh, universe. Yeah. And and if you if you happen to be a privileged person, the chosen one. You get to do what you want. Right. You get to get away with things. And, and I, to, and to her credit, to J.K. Rowling's credit, she does point this out in the book. Right. Know, some of the kids are, you know, really jealous of Harry Potter and his ability to get away with whatever right. he wants to get away with, and they do bring it up in the books. And so you say to you, okay, she gets it, but, um, but she doesn't do anything about it. She, I mean, Harry Potter is privileged throughout the whole thing. Hermione too. <laughs> Uh, and Ron, for that matter, um, you know, I mean, if if the books could be read just as what they are, that's fine. I get no issue with that. But right. They're, but they're now being perverted into something that's not quite right. Right. As ju as just books to be enjoyed by young adults and adults. Yeah. The, all those all those objections are just merely a discussion of the plot. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and it, that's fine. I don't have a problem with it. Magic. No, and I, I, all right. that other stuff. I'm, that I'm sometimes are those crazy people. Right. Yeah. But uh, I, if, but when you start to turn to it as a source for a moral compass, right. For, I think you're making a big mistake. Right. Uh, it's, it's, but, but looking at the deeper issue, which is, is that millennials have been given a raw deal by their parents. I mean, they're the children of the boomers. Yep. And they are the, the children of a generation that itself threw off the religion of their parents. Right. And and were given nothing. I mean, how, how can you blame um, the millennial generation 
they had they weren't ever in by and large given anything to start with. They, True. They weren't given like as as Sherry Waddell, uh, an author we both yep. know, says, "God has no grandchildren," which is which means that just because your parents were Christian doesn't mean the children automatically become Christian. Right. No, that's true. It's very true, which is a, the major thrust of her works and 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 what she does. Right. Um, you know, I I think that this this generation that's looking for something and they're looking to try and find it in this particular um in this particular book. Um, you know, I do feel bad for them because these are the people, these are the kids that, where their parents say, well, let's let them decide what they want to be when they grow up. Let them choose their religion. Well, that's no way to raise children, right? Well, I mean, that's not how you... I don't let my kids choose whether to be good people or not. Exactly. You know, and you don't let them choose whether they're going to study math or not, right? I mean, Yeah, or eat, eat a decent meal, as right. we were talking I about mean, before. Exactly. You know, it's, it's their, their children. Children are to be educated and guided, guided by right. the parents not given oh you know i don't know we know we decided that uh, you know we're just going to let them pick their own religion when they get older if they want to be christian that's great if they want to be jewish that's great you know that's not how it works whether whether you teach them about your faith as children or not they'll still be able to make decisions as adults i mean Absolutely. it doesn't it doesn't lock them in for all of eternity uh well, it kind of does but well but but in a, in a sense of as adults, they can still make decisions. Sure, we, I mean because they did. The parents right. often did. Right, right. I mean, I, I mean, where I say it, when I say it locks them in for eternity. If you get a child baptized, that child's a Christian, and the child's baptized, it's going to be a Christian forever, even if it converts to Judaism. Um, you know, which it doesn't or, mean they can't practice the right. faith. Of, like they're agreed. They're, they're, it doesn't mean they can't switch to another religion from their point of view. Exactly, exactly, and and people often do. And it's just, it's just this, when I saw this article the other day, I, I said to myself, we got to talk about this because it's, it's, it's mind boggling and mind numbing that this is what is happening in today's society, that people are now turning to novels, fiction, to learn uh, about being a good person or a moral person or something. And I just, I find well, it let's, distracting. Let's flip it around. Let's flip it around and say. What it shows us is that there is a great thirst right. for something, and it means that there's a great opportunity for Catholics and Christ other Christians to bring the gospel to a new generation who's looking for something. They're obviously looking for something. We need to be doing a better job of presenting what we have. True. Um, yeah. I mean, I can't argue with that. You're right. So um, with that, let's move along to our, our we don't have a bumper yet. So no, we again, we're taking suggestions. We're going to take, go to our picks of the week. Pick of the week. Pick of the week. Pick of the week. Pick of the week. Okay. That was horrible. That's not great. <laughs> so uh, why don't you go ahead? Cause All I, right. Cause, my, I think, Cause your pick of the week, I think is a pick of the week. I would choose as well. Yes. My pick of the week is a television program called Shooter. And it's uh it's a uh, on the USA Network, but it's on the first season, which aired last last summer, is on uh, Netflix. So you can see the whole ten episodes uh, arc of the first season um, easily on Netflix. Um, it's it's a it tells the story of Bob Lee Swagger, and you may remember that name from a movie called Shooter, which starred Mark Wahlberg, and he played the same character, and told the same story in a movie from 2007. However, Bob, 
Mark Wahlberg and Anton Fakwa, who was the director of the original movie, got together to produce this television program for USA with a different star, Ryan Phillippe, as, as Bob Lee Swagger. He's the main character. He, this show is awesome. It is, it is a show that shows a, a character who, um, you know, retired from the military, uh, as a sort of res- really respects his country and is drawn into a plot to, uh, assassinate somebody, whether it's a president or the president of another country, you know, you're never really sure exactly until you get later into the show, um, who it's supposed to be. He gets drawn into this plot to, to, to kill a president and, and get, and get blamed for it because they need a fall guy. And it, it, it expands out over 10 episodes. He is, uh, he is befriended by an FBI, FBI agent. He is, you know, his wife and children, his wife and child get threatened. I mean, it's all kinds of good stuff happening. You know, just motivation, very exciting, very exciting yep. a lot of action. If you like shooting at all, the art of shooting, you'll like it too, because oftentimes when he's out, he's a sniper and the best sniper that the Marines ever had, uh, according to the show. And so he, he will look at a shot. They'll show him looking at a shot and on the screen, you'll see the math come up and you'll see the, how oh, they the calculate speed, the yeah. calculated and how he's calculating the shot. And it's incredible to, to watch. And they, and they show the actual shooting. And I, I mean, I just find that stuff fascinating right. anyway, but this has a great story attached to it. And Ryan Phillippe is pretty good in this. I, I haven't seen him in much, but he's really good in this. And I think he's, uh, you know, he's really taken over this role. It's based on a series of novels by Stephen Hunter. And uh, in the original series of novels, Bob Lee Swagger is a Vietnam veteran in the TV show as well as the movie. He's, a, you know, a current Iraqi Afghanistan veteran. So it's a really good show. And uh, I really recommend it highly. I've only gone the... Th- I've only seen the first season. I don't know what the second season is going to bring, but um, the first season was really, really good and worth your time. I went, I banged through it in a day and a half. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I watched the first episode last week, and the two things that really stood out to me in this one was, um, I mean, the story is good, like you said, and I really enjoyed the shooting aspect and like all the technical aspects of how you how a sniper calculates a shot. Right. But one of the things that really, two things that struck me was one with the the family. He's got a wife and a daughter, and just the family life that's depicted is very wholesome. It's very much a real wholesome family, right down to they sit down at dinner together and they say uh, grace before meals. Right. It's just sort of it. it obviously, it's put in there to kind of convey this idea of this wholesome family. But then later on, we have this F, this FBI, FBI agent, this agent, woman, woman yeah. and the, the scene starts and you, she's sort of stereotypical in that she's like the hard charger who maybe is a little too hard charging yeah. And, and yeah, and she needs to be reined in a bit by her boss and she's misunderstood and a bit of a maverick. Okay. That's sort of a, a type. Yeah. But then we get to this scene where she's, at, she's home. at home and she gets, she's getting a phone call and out of the blue, this, I don't think this scene like had anything like the, this this particular thing we're going to say had anything to do with anything else in this, in the show. It just is a, uh, this is just who she is in her life, but she's praying a rosary yeah. when she gets the phone call right. and then she puts it down, she answers the call and that's it. And it's like, it's, they don't make a big deal out of it. They don't make this deal like, Oh, she's a Hispanic woman and, and is therefore very religious. Like they don't make a deal out of this. No, they it's don't. just, it's matter of fact. And I'm like, see, that's awesome because yeah. 
you don't ever see characters on TV who are just religious. They go to church. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, you, you, if they go to church, it's because they're trying to convey a message about the character. Well, either they're a hypocrite or they're, uh, you know, they're holier than thou or, or something. But this is it's just sort of, it's just kind of part of who she is. Like, she. Yeah, it's just a part of her life. She watches baseball. Like, if, if she had been watching baseball on the TV before, it would just be. This is a character, part of the character's life, and I, I really enjoyed. Like to me, I mean, that doesn't that, that doesn't make or break the TV show, right? It's that, but it tells me that the producers of this show want to depict r- real people, and and are okay with showing people of faith in who are interesting characters in the in a show, but not make a big deal out of it. Yeah, no, I'd say that's a fair statement, and. Uh... Yeah, I think you'll. I think people enjoy this if you if you're if you're looking for something to sort of binge on or even just something to break up ten weeks. Um, this is a good show. You'll cool. like it. So uh, my pick of the week is a little piece of hardware I picked up. Um, so Melanie has these, and I have have these, and anybody who's our age probably still has some of these audio cassettes laying around of of old music or other things that we never got the CDs for. Like, especially if you got stuff from like little indie bands, like you saw at a club and they were selling their tapes or you know, that sort of stuff um, that you just, the music isn't available any other way. And so Melanie had this tape and she's like, I want to, you know, get it into my iPhone to listen to it because I, we don't have a tape player in the house. Like we just don't even have a tape player. Well, who does? Yeah. I mean, we had one a few years ago. We ended, I ended up throwing it away because it was like, well, why, why am I keeping that along with the VCR? Like <laughs> keeping this. So I had to figure out how do I get this tape into the computer? So I did some research and if you go on Amazon, there'll be, there's like a dozen of the companies selling the same piece of hardware. Literally it's, Amazon has everything. Well, but it's also like, it's like 10 different companies. But it's it's the same cassette player sold made by the same company. I mean, it looks exactly the same um, in all the listings. And the one thing that makes it different it, it's it's not exactly high end Walkman, but it looks you know it's it's, a, it's essentially a Walkman. What makes it different is a USB port on the end, and so I can connect that to the USB port on my computer. And then if you have a PC, um, you can use a, a program called Audacity, which is a free program too record off of it i ended up using the same software that i used to to record the podcast uh, it's a program called uh audio hijack on the mac um but i think you could use other other th- other uh, programs and it just becomes another usb audio import yeah uh input on so your, the on tape your plays at the so you, regular tape speed right and- so you just it's it's one-to-one uh tape you know it's if it's an hour-long tape you play that it, it takes an hour to record i mean yeah. there's no shortcuts uh here and it makes one long audio file, so you can't break it up into. Well, you can go in later and break it up oh, using can. the software. You know, I mean, you you look at the waveform on the screen, and yep. then there'll be a break. silent breaks. And and I did a little um, editing because you always get the hiss and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I know how to edit out some of that stuff. But but even if you don't, you're going to get at least the audio quality of the cassette tape. Interesting. I mean, if you, if you've got no other way to save or the the audio tapes that you have. Um, you have this at least. I mean, at least there's some way to get it in the computer. What's this one called? Ozcap. Uh, Ozcap. Easy cap. Easy cap? Yeah. Easy. yeah, it looked like an O on the outside. Yeah, so it comes. It with, looks easy cap. Yeah. It's called. It came with a little tiny CD that was PC only, and frankly, my Mac doesn't have a CD player anymore, I so don't I don't either. bother. Uh, but um, let me see. I forgot how much it was. I should have 
uh, done my work. It looks beforehand. pretty cool. I think I may have thrown away all my cassettes, unfortunately, but I got a buddy that might like something like this. Yeah, it's it's. Um, let me see here. Especially if you you know you have some old bootlegs of concerts and stuff. Well, that's the thing. Everybody's got these. I mean, it was it was twenty two dollars. Oh, that's nothing. Yeah, this was um the the list. I'll put the I'll put the link in the show notes yeah, to the yeah. one I got. Uh, the Dan Sure cassette to MP3 converter. That's cool. Um, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, yeah, it so works. That kind of money. Yeah, actually, oh, I paid twenty two dollars. The price right now is twenty six dollars. That's the thing about Amazon that goes up and down. Yeah, you buying it probably jumped it up. <laughs> probably. <laughs> um, but like, looks they, like there's other options. But, but you see here, uh, yeah. showing Father Chip. I mean, there's other like the, it's the same exact thing. There's one for eighteen dollars. There's one for nineteen dollars. Just you know, look through Amazon, yeah, and find the one that is the cheapest because it's all the same piece of equipment, right? Uh, and then you just download like this one is sixteen dollars, and then just download the software. Um, Fascinating. Yeah, I mean, it's it was it was great because again, if you're if you're over the age of thirty five or forty, you might have cassettes. You probably around. have cassettes lean around, and and this is a this is a great way to save them. It's a very you, good way to save them. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty cool, man. Yeah, it was, it's uh, it was neat. I was I had fun yeah. doing it. So I gotta go now. I gotta dig out all the cassette tapes. So you get scrolled away all over the place. Yeah, you like you didn't need, you needed something more to do. <laughs> right, yeah. Exactly. I yeah. that also. Well, the well, the funny thing was the kids with the uh, cassette tapes. They're like, well, now what is this? What is this? How does it work? Yeah. And they're like touching the tape. Don't touch the tape. Don't touch the tape. <laughs> they know. They had no idea. Like, what is this well, hole for? You know, you know, I got a story about that. Not about a cassette, but the other night at, I'm at my parents for dinner, as we were talking about earlier, and. You know, my nephew, um, Joe, said something or kept on saying the same thing over and over again. And I said to him, I go, you're like a broken record, man. And he looked at me like, I mean, he's only three or whatever, yeah. but he looked at me like, what are you talking about? And like, and, and, you know, it was now even my sister-in-law, who's not 30, she kind of looked at me like, what's well, a broken record? Let me tell you. Uh, this will really make you feel old. 20 years ago, I was working at this Christian bookstore and uh, they had this program where you buy so many CDs. Uh, they have like stickers on it and you redeem the stickers for a free CD or whatever. Okay. It's Christian music CD. And so I was explaining to this woman and her probably 10 year old son. So he'd be about 30 now, uh, th this kid. Um, and it's like, so, you know, so we take all the stickers off of it, including the one on the free CD. And we, and we have to send all of those to the record company. And the kid looks at me and he's like, they store like records there? Like, and his mom's like, no, honey, records are what they had before CDs. This is 20 years ago. Wow. Wow. <laughs> like, that's just, oh my gosh. But the funny thing is, is actually records are coming back. Yeah. No, they, the vinyl format is something that people do think makes the sound better. It's a they they richer, claim it's a richer yeah. sound it, it, because the digital sound is cleaned up. It does. It's too perfect in a, some in some sense. In some sense. And the uh, I, I remember. I mean, I was in college in the eighties. I went for, to college from eighty six to ninety, and the um, I remember there was a debate back then about CDs. And then there was a thing called, I think it was called Digital Audio Tape. Oh, yeah. I had one of those. D-A-T. In fact, Father Roderick, uh, that, he recorded his first uh, podcasts on a, uh, well, not on a DAT. No, it was the, um, it was a different mini disc. 
Oh, yeah, there was, but there was debates back and forth. Yep. Is DAT the better format? Is CD the better format? Is the mini disc the better format? And, and like everything else, one of the formats won out and we ended up with CDs. And well, it makes sense. Fine. Yeah. The CD was, it was, it was clearly superior of a digital audio tape in the sense of it's durable. Yes, it is more durable. Um, th- but there was a debate over whether the sound, I knew people that had digital audio tape components as part of their stereo system. And, you know, what was this first first CD you ever bought? Oh gosh, what was the first CD I ever bought? Um, I, I want to say it was um, the Joshua Tree. To be honest with you, uh, I had that on tape. I bought I my first CD that I bought. I bought before I owned a CD player, but my sister owned one, and so I was going to buy it and record onto tape from there. Oh I, yeah, I thought it was great. It was um, it was an Eric Clapton, and I'm just looking up August was the, was the album. Oh, okay, Eric Clapton August. That, that had to be. Did I ever tell you I saw Eric, Eric Clapton in concert? I did too. Yeah, he was would, great. Where'd you see him? I saw him at the Sy- Syracuse um, uh, um, Orange Dome. Was it the Orange Dome? Whatever the dome is that they play yep. their basketball and football in. Okay. I saw him there. It was it was Syracuse University. I saw him there. He was great. He was a great show. Oh, yeah. I saw him in 86 in Providence with a bunch of high school buddies. Uh, we had... There was only one seat further away from the stage than we were. <laughs> it was I, awesome. I can't. I, I. I can't say that's the case for me. I think I was five rows from the stage. Wow. Yeah, that's it was, nice. It was pretty good. Well, and uh, George Thorogood opened for him. Oh wow! That was that was pretty cool. That is cool. Which, I like George Thorogood. George Thorogood, you hear it in our in yeah. our uh, what are we drinking bunker? Yeah. Bummer. A couple of times, actually. <laughs> um, I like George Thorogood. And uh, one of the great regrets I have in, in in my music viewing life, and I've seen a lot of great bands. I've seen the Rolling Stones. I've seen um, Pink Floyd, U2, Bruce Springsteen. Uh, I've seen a lot of the greats. I saw Paul McCartney um, solo uh, with his band, Not Wings. Um, I've seen a lot of good shows. And... I will say one of my regrets is not seeing um, Stevie Ray Vaughan when I had the oh, chance. Stevie Ray. Stevie Ray Vaughan was playing that summer at a, a place outside of Rochester, New York. And I think it was called Canandaigua. And they have a performing arts center out there like uh, like uh, the Xfinity Center mm-hmm. or Great Woods here. So they get a lot of the big bands. In fact, my friend Arthur, who still lives out there, he saw... Um, he saw the who there recently mm, who? yeah exactly <laughs> and so i haven't seen the who and the who is on my list of bands that i really would have liked to have seen anyway long story longer um he calls me up i heard roger Daltrey's becoming a woman oh, <laughs> don't start just don't start <laughs> go ahead oh my gosh <laughs> derailed totally derailed anyway so i my buddy calls and he says, I get tickets to see, I get a couple of tickets to see Stevie Ray Vaughan. Do you want to come out? And I looked at my finances and I'm like, and I really can't afford it. Mm-hmm. I'll see him next tour. Ouch. That summer, that same summer, shortly after my friend saw him at Canandaigua was when he got in the helicopter and died. Yes. In a helicopter accident. I mean, it's just, I really regret mm-hmm. not going to see that show. So oftentimes now if someone says, hey, you want to go see this you know, band. I'm like, yeah, I'll be- go because yeah, because who knows if I'll be able to see them again. Yeah. Now, 
the Rolling Stones come around, go see them. They're good. I've seen them. <laughs> but they may not come another Yeah. Tour. I mean, I'm sorry I missed The Who. And actually, yeah. this, just last week, I missed Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Uh, oh, wow. They were on their 40th anniversary tour, and it might be their last tour, from what I'm reading. And a um, friend of mine and I were supposed to go last Friday night. We just never ended up buying the tickets, and, you know, we just, just didn't do it. So, and, uh... I saw Stevie Ray twice. Oh, you're killing me. I saw him that summer at Great Woods at the mm-hmm. uh, Jazz Festival. But I also saw him before that at the Orpheum in Boston. Oh, you're kidding me. I was on the, in the balcony, which the Orpheum is a, it's like an opera house. It's yeah. a very small venue and very intimate. And the balcony is kind of just above the stage, at the, right. just above the level of stage. So you're almost face to face with the right. band. So it was Stevie Ray. Opening opening act was his brother Jimmy Vaughn oh, okay. in Double Trouble. Yep. And for the encore, they were all on stage together. Oh man! It was it it was a, it was the single greatest show I've ever seen. It was re- I don't have him in a lot of concerts, so I guess said. But Stevie Ray, I love Stevie Ray. I went. I, I do too. When I was in Austin, uh, we went uh, on pilgrimage to his statue down by the river uh, in downtown Austin. He's an all time great. I missed Fantastic. him. I didn't get to see him. I still listen to his music. I listen to him all the time. Yeah. I, I love him. I love his guitar playing. I think he he could play it. He can he could play, man. I mm-hmm. mean, I saw I saw Eric Clapton and Eric Clapton was great, but uh yeah. Stevie Ray was there's something yeah. about him. He had he had a gift. He had he a really real gift. Did. Um, uh, but anyway. speak, speaking of going to concerts, I'm not going to a concert, but in October I'm going to go see Alton Brown on the oh, Good really? Eats uh Eat Your Science tour. Wow, I, I I've been watching watching his tours go round and round like you know the last few years. Yeah, and he got he got went to Providence, went to Worcester, and I'm like, and I just every time I'm like, oh, I really want to go. And so when I saw he was coming to Boston, I said to Melanie, I said, I'm getting tickets. We're going to the show. Cool. Like that's just this. So I got the tickets already, and I'm really excited. I mean, that is exciting. They're cheap seats, but you know, it's it's I'm I'm looking for. No, I'm a big awesome. Alton Brown fan. That's awesome, dude. I mean, yeah. I mean, you just just being able to go to some of these things and do some stuff and yeah. you know i mean it's fun to get out and be an adult yeah exactly get out you know, and be I mean, an adult. I mean, oh, you, that is so around, true you're around little kids all the time and it's t- i mean it's great you're a great dad and you get a great family and yeah. everything but it's it's uh it it's good to get away from it's good to get away and be you know adults with each other too it's hard but we don't we don't have any regular babysitters I so know, it's really when know. when my in-laws come to visit we went well, we went out to dinner last week at a great place in Hingham called Scarlet Oak Tavern uh, we've been there three uh, three years in a row uh, in the summer cool. when my in laws visit. Uh, Do they say, "Hey, we haven't seen you in a while"? <laughs> yeah, it's been a year. <laughs> a year. Um, but it's it, they will start probably. Uh, it's just it's a great. You're right. It's it's great to get Good to be out to get out. You need to, you, every married couple needs to be able every to get out. Person well. needs to do it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's good. Experience the world. There's so much to offer out there. Right, especially. I sound like an after-school special. <laughs> well, we live in Boston, which is a place where there's so much right available to do and see. There's we can, so much. I can talk for another two hours about that sort of stuff, but we will spare the listeners. Yes, on that. we Maybe will. Next time, we'll we can talk about some of that. Absolutely. Uh, but anyway, this this has been the Father's Show. Um, our website is thefathersshow.com. You can email us at feedback at thefathersshow. Dot com. If you uh, have any ideas for topics or anything you want us to discuss or f- uh, comments on any of the controversial things we've said, because we, we might have said one or two controversial things. Uh, <laughs> you have ideas for bumper music um, on Twitter. The show is at the father's show. I'm at that net B E T T N E T. 
I'm at Chines, C-H-I-N-E-S. Uh, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash the father's show. And if you like the show, please recommend us to your friends. Uh, share write the a review. Write a review. Give a star. Yeah, on social media, on the podcast, uh, uh, on, on iTunes. iTunes. That would be good. Uh, share links uh, to our website. Anything that you can do helps. Uh, we, we really want to spread the word. Yeah, if and you reach- like it. Tell people about yeah, it. Yeah, well, it, I mean, as the as the audience grows, it gives more, us more incentive to continue doing That's the, right. the podcast. So, uh, so with that, uh, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon. So long. Well.